These days, we're all investors, trying to be smart with our money despite our worst impulses. But at iShares, we believe that deep down inside of every investor is a better investor. One that's just waiting to be let out. Explore iShares ETFs and insights and let your best investor out. Visit iShares.com for more information. Hey, this is former NFL tight end Clay Harbor coming to you with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy sports app that's super fun. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a few clicks. And with the prize picks reboot policy, your entry stays in play if your player gets injured in the first half and does not return in the second. Crazy, right? Go to prizepicks.com slash believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, and enter code B-L-E-A-V for your first deposit match up to $100. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Recovering Athlete. And I have joining me one of the most dynamic Olympic athletes in history, Lauren Williams. Welcome to The Recovering Athlete. I am Cletus Coffey, a former professional and world champion athlete. If you're like me, your success on the field as an athlete did not translate over to success in life off the field. In fact, I've struggled for years. The purpose of the show is to let you know you're not alone. We are bringing you current and former athletes, coaches, and other inspiring people and messages to help you recover the high you once had as an athlete and learn how to align it with today's world of entrepreneurship, career, relationships, health and wellness, and beyond. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me. Now let's dive in and learn how other athletes have made this transition and are making a much greater impact off the field. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Recovering Athlete. I am Cletus Coffey. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me here, listen in to the podcast. By all means, I am super grateful for any feedback that you guys have about the guests. Uh, if you have any ideas for potential guests, of course, I would love your uh, feed, your reviews, your feedback. Uh, if you can so kindly subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great so I can continue to roll out some incredible uh, interviews, content, ideas for you to continue to grow in wherever space and time you're at. Now, my guest here today is Lauren Williams. And I really got to set the table here. Now, Lauren Williams currently is the founder and president of Worth Winning, which is a fee-only, completely virtual, comprehensive financial planning firm that is focused on serving professional athletes and millennials. Now, Lauren is doing an incredible body of work in the financial space, which you're going to hear her perspective on money and finance and financial planning, whether you're a professional athlete, whether you're a millennial or beyond, she's got a really cool and unique perspective on money and planning. But you know, Lauren wasn't always a financial planner. See, Lauren is a former professional athlete, an Olympic athlete, and her story uh, as an athlete and then transitioning to into the financial space is is really cool. But like I said in the introduction, she is an incredibly dynamic athlete. Now get this, Lauren Williams has been to three Summer Olympics and one Winter Olympics. She is the very first female American to ever medal in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. And she is one of five human beings to achieve that same feat. She won a gold medal in the 2012 Summer Olympics. She won a silver medal in the 2004 Summer Olympics. And then in 2013, transitioned over to bobsledding, where she again won a silver medal for Team USA. So we definitely dive into her career. We talk about her move from the summer to winter Olympics. We talk about the 2012 Olympics, where she won a gold medal as part of the 4x100 meter relay for Team USA, because it was Although it was her third Olympics, it was much different than the previous two. And she provides a lot of really cool and unique insight into her experience in the 2012 Olympics. We talk about her transition 
from sport into real life, which is something that we're all interested in. We all have experienced or are experiencing. And she goes through what she went through. And you'll find out there's probably, as a, as a former athlete, there are things that you align with and, and hear, but you'll see how she handles it and the, and the thought process that she went through and ultimately what led her to a passion of hers, which is the financial space. And then, of course, she, she talks quite a bit about her body of work, the, the work that she's doing with Worth Winning, the impact that she has on professional athletes, her, her, how she works, which is completely virtual, and as a financial planner, the type of, of insight that she provides her clients. So Lauren Williams, I, I tell you, she has she's on there with, with my list, especially after listening to her story as one of the best and the most dynamic athletes that this country has seen, male or female. But it is her perspective and insight into transitioning from being an athlete into who she is once her career ended that I think you'll find a lot of nuggets, a lot of perspective and insight to help support you along your journey. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Cletus Coffee. Welcome back to The Recovering Athlete. And I am so fortunate here to have my guest today is, is Lauren Williams. And I am really excited to bring Lauren Williams' story to the Recovering Athlete Podcast, not because of what she's accomplished as an athlete, but yet what she has done after sport and the things that she's doing now and the transition she's made because like all of us, there's a process in making that transition, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, and uh, Lauren, I know, has, has a, a fantastic story. So Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time. to. I think this is a really good podcast, well needed, and I'm excited to share my story with you all today. Excellent. So I'm, I'm going to give them a little bit of insight, just people who have been following me and know me that you know, my, my athletic journey has been in the football realm, but yet track and field has been something that has been near and dear to my heart. So uh, I have, uh, you know, kept kept up with the track and field athletes and people. And, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, so track town, uh, USA isn't too far away. It's kind of in, in our backyard here. So it's it's uh, easy to, to keep in touch with, with the track and field community. But if uh, people don't want to hear it from me, they want to hear it from you. So why don't you just give us you know, a snapshot of Lauren Williams, the athlete, kind of where you came from and, and eventually where you ended up? All right. Let's see if I can tell my life story in maybe five <laughs> minutes or less. Ready to go. <laughs> 33 years in five minutes. Um, so, yeah, I'm born in Pittsburgh, raised between Pittsburgh and Detroit, Michigan. Um, well, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, started running track when I was nine years old. Did pretty much every sport known to woman uh, during my childhood years from karate to ballroom dancing, softball, basketball, you name it. Um, but it was always naturally fast. And it was one of those things where I started to run faster than boys my age. Then I started to run faster than boys that were older than me. And people were like, hey, we're on to something here. And so depending on who you ask my mom, my dad about how I got really like involved in track, you know, they both try to take the credit. But um <laughs> Like I, I started to be in more consistently. They realized I had some talent, and my main thing was like education. I always wanted to get an education. I always wanted to be smart. I always wanted to be the smartest kid in the class. Uh, and then I realized like this track thing could take me to college, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So when I started getting these letters in the mail saying like, hey, we'll pay for you to go to college, and I had five sisters, two brothers, you know, uh, no college fund set up or anything like that. I was like oh, track is a lot more fun when someone's going to pay for me to get the thing that I really want, which is an education at the university. Uh, well, it was not It was an education period at the time, but it became an education at the University of Miami. Um, and so I went to the University of Miami at 17 years old, and I was just so grateful to my coach for giving me the opportunity to get this free education that I wanted to pay her back by doing the best, could, best job I could on the track. And that's where my passion started to grow. It was like, you know, going out there each and every day, putting my best foot forward. I mean, I was a natural born competitor. I always wanted to win, but I wasn't necessarily passionate about track until I got to college and like, you know, really started to be nurtured under my coach. Um, and so in just three and a half years, uh, I was at the college national championships. I hadn't won. I'd made it to nationals my freshman and sophomore year, but I um, was not victorious in any of those. And so I kind of had this chip on my shoulder my junior year just saying, 
I'm going to win. I'm going to figure this out. I am going to do everything I need to to be a great athlete. And it, like I'm coming home with the title. And not only did I come home with the title, but came home with uh, the, the title of the second fastest person in the world so far that year. And that's when people really started to turn their eyes and say like, hey, this girl's fast. Like she's the fastest American right now. It's the Olympic year. Like we got to figure out if, if this is going to be our next Team USA member. Uh, so my coach guided me through the process to become a professional athlete. I made the 2004 Olympic team and earned a silver medal there uh, and, you know, turned pro. Uh, luckily, I, I was able to get my last year of college paid for it because, like I said, my education was really important to me. So I didn't have to um, come out of, you know, any funds on my own. So I was really grateful for that as well and looked at my pro career and said, all right, we're off and we're running. So 2008, made the Olympic team again. Uh, felt a lot more pressure in 2008 because it was my job, whereas in 2004, it's kind of like, hey, whatever, you know, I'm going to go out there and try my best. <laughs> but um, And I got fourth in 2008 in the 100 meters. And then 2012, I only made it for the relay. Uh, but that's where I really started to grow and learn and, you know, kind of become my become a grown-up track and field athlete, if you will. I think I was just kind of along for the ride for most of my career. But in 2012, it was like, oh, okay, what really matters? Team USA matters. This team matters. Um, even if I don't compete in the finals of this relay team, what can I do to help them win? And, you know, being able to switch my mentality from being individual to team focused and really do what was in the best interest of the team was something you didn't realize in the moment that was really important way to grow, but it helped me so much for what was coming next. And what was coming next was bobsled in, 20, <laughs> in 2013. Uh, last year of competing in track and field, I was set on being able to transition and move on with life and uh, bumped into Lolo Jones in the airport and I said, I read an article about you having tried bobsled. How, how does that work? And she told me a little bit about it and she said, you'd be great for it. You're powerful. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was going to do after track. I had some ideas and I was like, that sounds awesome. I sent a guy an email and like a month later I was at the USA Championships for bobsled. Um, and like I said, what 2012 did was set me up for the whole team aspect and really you know, showing up with genuine intentions to make sure that the team um, succeeded in no matter what. And I think that's really what helped me succeed in, in a matter of six months and, and do well in bobsled. And so I earned a silver medal there. I became the first American woman to medal in both the summer and the winter Olympics. And now I've transitioned once again. Should I stop there and let you ask me something? Yeah, l let me jump in here because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that rolls off so smooth. And that was like 10 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> I want to make sure people understand the impact of, you know, what you have done as an athlete, what you've done for this country. Uh, and you may have to correct me wrong because I did, I did a little bit of research just trying to make sure I, I was uh, on point here for this conversation. But <laughs> yes, you are the first American woman to ever medal in both Olympics, both summer and winter. And am I right? You're one of five people who have ever done that as well. That is correct. So, uh, the 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 list, the laundry list of your success as an athlete, uh, one of five people to ever medal in both games. I mean, that is just uh, you, you're not specialized in one individual thing. Obviously, you're a sprinter. You can compete on the relays. You're a bobsledder. Uh, it, it really is a testament to you know one of the most dynamic athletes that this country has ever seen. Uh, let alone being one of the fastest women in the history of this planet <laughs> on the track. I uh, really think it says a lot to your hard work, and uh, you're very humble about it, which is really cool, uh, your character with it. But I want to make sure people are listening to really understand <laughs> that this is, this is some big stuff here. Uh, Thank you. There was something that, that I found online, and you touched on it there just, just a little bit, which was in 2012, um, I heard you say something online about, I went from the individual to mentoring the, the the youngsters that were coming up, the kind of the, the new wave of athletes. Uh, tell me more about that. What, what was that transition like from being Lauren Williams, the 2004 several medalist, to 2012? Now you're you're a veteran in the sport, uh, kind of on your way out. Mm -hmm. What what was it like? What 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 was that process like mentoring young young tracksters? Um, I think the the main thing is is realizing that all these experiences that you are having in life add up to something, and I think that's what we miss sometimes. And we we don't we're not able to learn or grow or be better 
or reach our full potential because we don't realize that, you know, X, Y, Z thing that happened, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago is now going to help you um, in this present moment. And so for, for me, those things were in 2004, we dropped a baton. Um, 2008, we dropped the baton. And then 2012, I had this opportunity and it was kind of like this weird moment where, um, and, and in 2004 and 2008, for those that don't know, I was a part of the actual botched handoff. You know, it wasn't like I was just competing in that race and we dropped the baton. I was the person being handed off too. Um, and so, you know, no matter what, I have to expect, accept some responsibility. You know, you can say, oh, the person left too early, left too fast, didn't put it in my hand. You know, there's countless other things you can, you know, do to try to, you know, make excuses. The, the point is that, like, it was up close and personal, our failure um, in 2004 and 2008, where we both, could, uh, both times we had the opportunity to break the world record in addition to winning a gold medal. We went home with nothing. Um, so to get to the 2012 games, uh, have a brand new team of, you know, all new people that, you know, weren't there in 04 or 08. This is their first Olympic Games. Um, and this being kind of like, hopefully the third time is a charm for me. And then realizing that, um, you know, I got six at the USA trial, so I'm probably not going to be one of those final four. Um, but knowing, like, what can I do to make this situation different for them than it was for me? And one of the things people don't realize about the relays, is, like I said, you can put the four fastest people out there but the most important thing is getting to stick around. So you can put four mediocre fast people out there. And if they got better chemistry, they get to stick around. You know, you got a winner and then you got somebody who dropped a baton. Um, and it was really important to me to be able to convey to them the importance of good chemistry. Uh, and, and know that that was more important than me being out there to be able to compete. Because easily as a track and field prima donna and a sprinter um, particular, it's easy to just say, you know, it's all about me. Let me figure out how I can boot two of these girls out of here so I can get up and be one of the four. I've got the, like I said, I've got the most experience. I'm the veteran. Um, you know, let me, let me put one of these rookies on the bench so that I can, you know, have the opportunity to be in the final. And that wasn't my mindset at all. Uh, it was, how do we make this team succeed? How do we keep the energy positive? Because truth be told in 2004 and 2008, the negative energy that we stepped on the track is really what caused us to fail. Like I said, it doesn't matter who went, out too fast or who went too slow or, you know, what was happening in that moment. Um, the, the energy is what I feel like was the thing, the reason that we failed. Uh, and so being able to communicate to them that despite the fact that we're all going to compete in, you know, individual events, race against each other, you know, in one week's time and then, you know, get off the track the next day and try and become a relay. Um, we, we've got to figure out how to work together. That These are not your enemies. These are not your rivals. And you can't think of them as such. Um, not when you're competing against them in the 100 and not when you're competing with them in the relay. Um, and figuring out how to convey that, I think, was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Now, between 04, 08, and 12, which, if you had to pick one, I mean, what, what was the most, what was your, what was your favorite Olympic? <sighs> 12. I'm still going to say 12, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just three d totally different experiences. So 2004, I was a deer in headlights. I uh, had no idea what to expect. It was a really cool game, you know, the home of where the Olympics were born. So, you know, to start my career in that position was awesome. Um, 08, I just think the pressure of, like I said, uh, the, the the one who beat me in 04 was not participating. And, you know, people were looking at me as like America's girl and <laughs> I've got to be the gold medalist, et cetera. I think I let that get to me a little bit. And China was not the best environment overall. Uh, so that would not be my favorite game. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then in 2012, you know, London, it's a westernized country. Um, you know, the, the weather was okay. Uh, we were familiar. It was well set up. Everything was very organized. So there were just a lot of things working in my favor, like I said, in addition to me having grown to a place to be able to really enjoy the experience. Because you get to the Olympic Games and sometimes you, you're you so focused and you're so wound tight that you don't even remember what happened. You, didn't, you don't remember sitting on the stoop laughing with your friends or meeting somebody from another country. And you know, sometimes the, the experiences that you have, like you still have them, but you don't get to really enjoy them or absorb them in a way that's worthwhile, if you will. I won't say that, yeah, it's necessary, but it's definitely worthwhile to be able to um, take all that in. Okay, so now since I can only ask this to one of five people uh, on the in the world here, uh, which is sweeter, a winter medal or a summer medal? They are different. Uh, <laughs> How very, so? very different. In 
Winter Games, so to put it in perspective, I think in 2012, if I remember correctly, there were 182 on the track team. In the Winter Olympics, there were 230 that made up all of Team USA for all sports. Oh, wow. So it, the magnitude of people in the Summer Games versus the Winter Games is already, it's like night and day. So you get a lot more intimate environment where you get to meet other people from other sports and stuff at the Winter Games. Uh, and it's, it's just a little bit more community-oriented in that sense where you get to hang out, you get to, like I said, interact and know people a little bit more in a, a more cool, calm, collected way. Whereas, like I said, summer games, very high intensity. feel like a lot is riding on that, um, you know, endorsement opportunities, et cetera. So it just, like I was just a little bit more high strung, if you will. Um, but, I mean, I was a track and field athlete for my whole life. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely was both, both were very enjoyable. Yeah. And, and what I love that you referenced there is, you know, as, as athletes, as, as human beings, really that path to success has failures along the way. And 04 and 08 were some pretty big, fa- you know, I don't, I'm, excuse me if I'm calling it a failure, but, you know, an obstacle towards the big result and with some challenges that you guys had. So how did you overcome those, those low points from 08, 04 to 08 to prepare yourself for um, life or for, tw- or for 20 for 2012, you know, how, how did you get, how'd you get yourself back up? Well, I think it was around 08 where I made the 24 hour rule. So, um, you know, at some point you realize that the negativity has to stop. Uh, you can't, you know, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad, you know, to recognize and, um, you know, kind of take in and dwell on, the moments that you don't shine, mm-hmm. you know, I think you need to do that in order to be great and to be able to move on to, you know, the next thing, but you can't sit there and dwell on it forever. You know? mm-hmm. And so the 24 hour pity party was born. It might've been in 07 actually, um, where it's like something bad happens. You got 24 hours, pout, be negative, tell people you don't want to talk about it, whatever your thing is that you do. And after 24 hours, Let's talk about how to move forward. No more negative talk about what happened, um, why it wasn't proper, la, 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 la. No, no dwelling on it. Mm-hmm. All you can do is think about that moment and how, how you're going to improve on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really kind of like life-changing for me because people often say, you know, it's all in how your mind works. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of lip service, it sounds, but when you really figure that out for yourself and what makes you tick, um, you really understand that your mind is the most important thing and how you, how you navigate your mind and uh, prepare yourself mentally for these things that you're going to come up against next um, will carry you in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that, and I'm going to reach back to something you prefaced from the very beginning, which was you sought out going to the University of Miami as a way to get a free education. So from, you know, from the start of your track career, at Miami, I know it's it's a it's a lot of work and effort towards building up your skills, your your body, you know your uh, your ability to get out there and perform out on the track mentally, physically. But yet, education was still something that was top on your list there. So how how did you go from Olympics in '04 and your focus is on being a professional athlete? Where was education, or where was kind of the next step in life? during that time frame was it were you thinking about it on the side were you doing things to prepare for it or were you not where, where were you at that at that stage yeah so I had a lot of anxiety always about like what's the next thing coming you know if you fall down and break your leg um, this track money goes away what are you going to do next and because like you said I had never really planned on it as like you know a lifetime goal of mine or something I was going to do for my whole life I was always kind of like in the back of my brain, what else can I do? Um, so I got a real estate license in around, I think it was around 2006, because I was like, okay, you fall down, you break your leg, you can immediately act- activate this real estate license and have a job. You know, you don't have to interview, you don't have to, you know, there's not a whole lot that goes into it. People don't turn you away. It's kind of like eat what you kill sort of thing. Um, so that was kind of like one of my backup plans. And then I always had an interest. I was a finance major in college. Um, but I always had an interest in money and how it worked. And I had a financial advisor. Uh, my, well, I actually had two financial advisors, and neither one did a really good job for me. 
uh, and in learning that, you know, there were different kinds of advisors and that they provided different kinds of services. And, you know, it was all very confusing and muddled. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how much money can I spend on a monthly basis? Like, I didn't have a basic budget set up. Um, nor did I have like the literacy, you know, for my family to be able to help me set up those sorts of things. And so when I started to ask my friends about it, I was like, what are you guys doing? Who are you using? You know, what does your financial planner do for you? And I was kind of getting these crickets or, you know, people would change the subject on me or <laughs> go the other direction. And I realized, you know, either they had no idea what the person they were working with was doing for them, what services were being provided. Um, or they just didn't have anyone and they didn't have any plans in place and they didn't have a budget either. You know, the simple questions I was asking people just were just you get money, you spend money, you get money, you spend money. And that's kind of how money works. And they just kept it at a basic level like that. Um, and so it just made me a little bit more interested in figuring out how um, I could do something in the, the financial industry as a career going forward. Uh, and so I was prompted to kind of start with an MBA because, you know, it's kind of like what everybody was getting. It was a new thing that, you know, if you want to be in business, you need an MBA. Uh, so in 2008 or 2007, it was 2008. Um, I started an MBA program and I did that and was um, doing that online uh, all the way through 2008, through the games and then 2009. So I was always trying to prepare myself from an education standpoint because I knew I didn't have the flexibility in my schedule to be able to work, you know, eight hours a day and get work experience. So it was kind of like, how else can I stay up to date so that when this track thing is done, I have something on my resume that someone's going to find worthwhile to hire me. Um, and yeah, if you fast forward to 2012, I, like I said, kind of got fed up with the second advisor and, you know, like the service I was provided or the lack of service I was provided and was like, I need to find something that I can do. These are the things that are not being met. How can I, how can I figure out how to meet these needs for people? And literally a Google search led me to the certified financial planning coursework. And I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I was looking for because, you know, there's like security sales, and like product sales where anyone does that can do that. And, um, you know, it's very sales oriented. It's not very education oriented or holistic in its approach. And then there's a certified financial planning where, you know, you're looking at a person's whole financial life and their whole financial health and all their goals. And I was like, ha, ah, this is what I wanted people to ask me about. These are the questions that I had that he wasn't, you know, that weren't being addressed. And, you know, from his taxes to estate planning to, like you said, budgeting, all the fundamentals, how much house can you actually afford? Um, and I was like, I'm on to something here. And so I enrolled in that education and I was on to the next step. And I was, you know, moving toward the end of my career, just had one year left on my track and field contract. So I think in that respect is where I started to like um, consciously prepare for a transition from sport to life after sport. But um, all throughout my career, I was preparing, you know, as best I could while competing. Okay, so then 2013 hits, and you're not quite ready to retire as a as an athlete, and uh, the bobsled team comes comes calling. Obviously, you win the the silver medal there. So, uh, tell me now, the Winter Olympics Olympics is over, and now comes the next step. So, give me give me an idea on what, what did that transition look like? What, as you know, you've been planning here, you've got the finance background, you've I love it. You're identifying some gaps in, in the marketplace there and where you could help help potentially fill that need, uh, especially for things that you were looking for. I can relate to that uh, tremendously. Mm -hmm. And so then comes the idea for worth winning. And there's a transition time between that or, you know, to, to kind of launching and getting started. Tell me about that. Tough. Uh, and that will sum it up. See, I gave you a long-winded response for everything else. That was it. One but word. Tough. Perfect. You're not alone. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, so it was tough, but I think the main thing was, like, you finish this thing, and you wake up one morning, and, you know, like I said, I've networked, and, you know, I've been nice to people. I don't really have any enemies or anything like that, and I've got... Uh, two degrees and you know I've got a real estate like you know there's all these things that people say are going to prepare you and you know I saved my money so I wasn't you know like looking for the next check like I wasn't just going to take you know any job to, to go find this next thing um, and I was like you're in an awesome position this is so great and you wake up and you feel so empty uh, no one's cheering for you this thing that you were you're not anymore you're not exactly sure who you are um and no matter, like I said, I spent my career kind of 
trying to make sure that I had something else because I knew I was not just a track and field athlete. But in the moment, or just an athlete, I'll say, in those moments after waking up and, you know, weeks of waking up and not knowing what I was going to do next, like, I, I didn't know who I was besides an athlete. So, you know, <laughs> I did all this preparing, if you will, but I still had no idea who I was or what I was going to be or what I was going to do. And so I started to just fill my time with uh, getting out. I was like, you know, you, you can't meet people at home. You can't figure out what this next opportunity is for you at home. You know, you got to be out and about mixing and mingling. And there's no shortage of opportunities that come available for elite athletes. You know, people are happy to use your time and, you know, um, you know, pay for your flight and a hotel, and but not compensate you. So, you know, I was, I was I was busy, but I wasn't earning an income. I wasn't doing anything that was productive or, you know, um, made specifically for a mission or a purpose that was going to fulfill me in life. I was just being busy, filling other people's time and kind of like breaking even. Well, not really breaking even because you still had bills you had to pay at home sort of thing. So um, in my mind, it was like, well, it's not costing me a whole lot to, to be out and be busy. Um, and let, let me ask you, did, did you know at that point what the purpose was or, or the, you know, the, the, that meaning for you and you were just out there networking to accomplish that or did you not know and you were just trying to discover? I had no idea. I was trying to discover. So it was between finance and, you know, starting this financial company um, or, you know, going to work for a financial company um, and also a food truck. <laughs> Good. I love it. That was, that was my other thing. So what kind of food? It was like, uh, like wholesome food. I always say whole foods, and then I feel like I'm giving them like a shameless plug. Right. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not endorsing whole foods. I just like food that is real. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was like a healthy spin on food that like you wouldn't know is healthy. Like I wouldn't market it as vegan or healthy or sugar-free or gluten-free or any of that. But a lot of the things that I prepare are, you know, in fact, those sorts of health things, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I just want food that tastes good, though. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I had no idea, uh, like, what I wanted to do. I mean, I guess I had some idea of what I wanted to do, but I had no idea about how to go about implementing that or if I should just go work somewhere else because, you know, I, don't, I knew I didn't have a bunch of work experience. And I did do an internship, you know, during that time period in a financial company, and I did go work for a financial firm. Um, but it wasn't in a a capacity that where I was going to, like I said, Oh, I want to work here for the rest of my life. It was kind of like, yeah, I just want to keep getting some experience, you know, while I figure out what I want to do. And the person was flexible enough to, you know, allow me to do so. Um, and so, yeah, I was just kind of like, I don't know. I just feel really unfulfilled still. I'm really busy. I don't have any time. Um, but if I'm on my couch, I feel really like, you know, I'm wasting away. What, like, who am I? I mean, then you go to some of these events, you know, sporting events or, you know, things are charitable uh, with donors and things like that for sports. And they say, oh, you know, like, well, what are you doing now? And you didn't have an answer to that question. And it became so painful to be at something where you're schmoozing with people. And they said, oh, what are you doing now? And to not to not know what to say and then to say, you know, I'm, I'm figuring that out, you know, be honest. And then they say, well, you're not going to go into coaching, you know, and for <laughs> For people to pigeonhole you, you know, they're just trying to be, create mindless conversation, but, you know, like, is that all I am as a coach? But then it's like, oh, wait, like, a coach is a really important part of an athlete's life. Like, it's just, that's not who I am. And to think that that's the only thing that an athlete can do was very, um, what's the word, I guess, condescending, or it it didn't make me feel very good. And so I I had to deal with, like, the the emotions of, you know, I said, people's kind of mindless comments, if you will becoming something that I was internalizing and, and saying, oh my goodness, now this is even worse. I really don't know who I am. Hmm. Um, and so being able to sort, it's kind of sit down, sort through that, take, you know, I ended up going to a retreat in Ohio where Tony Dungy spoke and uh, four or five other people. And I think that was kind of like when I realized like, okay, there's no right or wrong answer to this transition. You know, it's a thing that happens. It doesn't have to happen in X amount of days, at X amount of time. Um, it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't have to look like this any one thing. There's not like step one, step two, step three to transitioning. It is you making an active, taking an active role in your life to say, okay, I'm, I'm moving on to create my new identity. This is the next chapter in my life. Of, you know, same story. I've always been Lauren. I'm always going to be Lauren. But, you know, what chapter are we, are we turning to now? As opposed to like you are only this one thing. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of yeah how it went, and it took about eighteen months. This this thing I just described to you and this process to get to a point where I felt good about it, and um, you know, as I said at the time I was working for a young lady, and she took me to a conference, and I found out there were a bunch of other young planners. So you know, I interviewed around at some other firms to see if you know I'd be interested in working with them long term, and nobody wanted to work with athletes. They're like, oh, they're a headache. They you know they they've got too many things they want. They're high maintenance. There's, you know, there's this or, you know, and I was like, what about Olympic athletes? We don't have as much money. You know, we're not high maintenance. Like, we're awesome. (laughs) And they're like, yeah, well, you just said you guys don't have a lot of money, so we don't want you guys either. And so, you know, as much as I tried to explore these opportunities, you know, even if I couldn't make a pro athlete division right on the spot, being new to the company, I was like, is that something that could happen down the road? And nobody seemed open to that option. And so that's when I got frustrated. It was like, well, what am I going to do? Because this is who I really want to serve in addition to young people. And that's when I went to this conference, the girl explained to me, um, and there were a hundred other, you know, young planners that were leaving this kind of old male, stale and pale thing that we think of as financial advisory um, and starting, you know, young, fun financial planning. And, you know, it's, it's virtual and we don't talk down to you and we say it in terms that you can understand. And we, okay, here's a stock, you know, this is what it is. This is a bond. This is, you know, like. If we got to talk about investments, like, help me understand what that is. Student loans. Nobody's talking about student loans right now. Like, so, um, yeah, financial planning that is relatable is is really, like, what I'm passionate about. And I found other people that were passionate about it. And I joined that network, and I haven't looked back. And so now you've launched into the journey of being an entrepreneur. Uh Although, I'm going to have you in just a second. Because I would think being a professional athlete has got a level of entrepreneurship. I mean, you're in ownership of your marketing and owning your your product, which is you. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm sure you've you had some experience in doing that. But there's something about that I caught on your website that that uh, I want to read here because I thought it was uh, it's really relevant to obviously what what we're talking about here with recovering athlete, what you just talked about. But you said, as we transition from our athletic career to life after sport, we realize there are other goals and dreams worth winning like finding love, making a home, starting a family, traveling for fun. And you stayed here that, you know, you want to help find and fund those dreams because weddings, houses and kids and dancing and rain in Barcelona, all those precious, priceless moments are what matters most. And I don't know many financial planning websites that I'm going to turn to <laughs> that is going to talk to me like that, <laughs> which I think is really powerful and really clearly connects the dots, especially for athletes from yeah we especially because you've been there transitioning from sport to yeah okay right there's there's another passion and in me and that uh, i want to be able to find how did how did um how did it come how did it come about how did you start the company obviously you you just kind of shared the build-up which i love it and I just want to reiterate what I heard from you, which I think is really powerful, is you were saying, it wasn't you said, hey, I'm going to be a financial planner. It was, I'm seeing some gaps here. I'm seeing some holes that are in alignment with me intrinsically with how I feel and who I want to serve. And I think that athletes tend to get that mixed up. It's just, we got the high, so we want to go out, and I'm going to go sell insurance. I'm going to sell real estate because it's just the buzz, and I want my face on the on a placard and that kind of stuff versus really taking a step back and for you it took 18 plus months to do that and I think that's powerful that you actually did the work far too many people don't actually do the work so but you did the work and worth winning was the end result how did you end up saying look this one I'm gonna do I'm gonna start this I think it was really like I said that that conference was like the thing that threw me off the ledge but like I said I'm so passionate about filling that gap and and knowing how important money is to people and emotions and you know the the stress that it can cause i wanted to turn that and flip it into something that was good and so when we think of money like we don't want to give money any power money is you know the people say money is the root of all evil make the money don't let the money make you know there's so many phrases out there that go toward you know what this what money is and we give power over money in our lives and really it should be the other way around like I said it's a tool to help you reach the goals that you want and so being able to create a conversation with people and a mindset of people where you know money is not this negative thing that holds you in bondage and shackles or you need to hoard as much of it as possible in order to be happy in life like it's not about that at all you know you can be a $40,000 person earner a year 
and be incredibly happy. And, you know, it doesn't mean that because someone else has $400,000 a year that they're happier than you. And, you know, that's what society tells us. And that's what we begin to believe. But it's really about taking what you have, being responsible with it. And then, you know, marking your goals, being willing to make choices that are going to help you reach your goals and feeling good about that. And it doesn't matter how much money you have in the grand scheme of things, as long as you're pursuing it in that way. And I think just changing the conversation that people are having with and about money was the thing that was like, I I can't not do this because I tried to have some conversations with people and it it didn't go well, you know, just a regular person. So it's like, and I knew what my, you know, my negative money emotions were. And I knew the way that I had been treated and the way that I started to feel about money because of the way I've been treated. Um, And it was just like, you, you can't not do this. So I've got to figure out, I've got to read everything I can so that I can figure out how to do this. And the entrepreneurial life is, like you said, it's a lot of hard work. And you know, I think there's a the popular saying out there is like, we're the people that are willing to work an 80-hour week um, on our own so that we don't have to work 40, 40 hours for someone else. And you really do end up working those, like you said, those 80-hour weeks. And, uh, you know, I built this as a lifestyle practice so that, you know, anywhere my computer is, I can, I can still be working. Um, but it doesn't, you know, hinder me in the way that I got to be somewhere Monday through Friday, nine to five every single day. Um, I want to be able to serve my clients at 7 p.m. if they get, you know, if they get off work at that time or if they have practice and, and they need a 7 a.m. call. Um, but I don't want to have to, okay, punch the clock, punch the clock, done. Hmm. Um, and so, like, in building your practice and figuring out, well, how am I going to earn a living doing this? How am I going to charge people fairly in doing this? You know, how am I going to create a language for, uh, that people are going to understand, like you said, to, to put that paragraph, like how long it took me to write that it was probably like two weeks, you know, yeah. because you have to get it exactly right as an entrepreneur. You have to, you know, your brand is everything. And so in building the company, like w- what it took was those 80 hour work weeks, if you will, where, you know, you woke up in the middle of the night, and you're like, oh my goodness, I got to say this. I got to, let, let me write that down real quick, you know, because you're, you're trying to build something that's just right. And of course you never get it perfect and you, you've got to launch at some point and move forward. Um, but I put a lot of thought into, like you said, here's the gap, here's the gap, that, here's how I want to fill the gap. You know, what tools do I need in place to be able to fill the gap? And you've and you've you've designed it around the lifestyle that you wanted to create for yourself, mm-hmm. which I think is really powerful. So, yeah. I, and your practice is different than your traditional financial planner. Uh, t- tell us how it works. How, how do you work with athletes? What does it look like? Yeah, certainly. Um, so, like you said, it, it's different in the sense that, like I said, we're not investment focused. You know, I think a lot of people hear the word financial planner, financial advisor. And they think, oh, I don't have money to invest, so I probably don't need one of those. And in in reality, uh, anyone that's helping you with their finances should be able to look at, like I said, this holistic approach of all the different balls that are moving in your life as it pertains to your finances. So things that I help clients with are, like you said, from scratch, creating a budget, um, item by item, you know, being able to say what goes in this envelope, what goes in this envelope. Um, we, We do everything virtually, so we use apps and software and different things like that so you're, you're paperless you're not looking around like trying to get your notebook together and um, you know you log in and everything's right in front of you uh, and then in addition to that like I said student loan analysis is a really big deal for you know young professionals nowadays and being able to create some analysis and explain to them like here's here's what's going on you know here's your options because there's no one that says that like you get out of school and you have these student loans, and six months later, someone tells you to pay a bill, and you're like, wait, what? Um, how does this work? I don't even have a job yet. Uh, so being able to break all the student loan jargon down and saying, like, here are your different payment options, and this is how long it's going to take. And no, it's not a terrible thing. No, you shouldn't ignore these loans. <laughs> like, let's let's tackle this. Um, and then with the athletes, it's just the whole idea is, like, we're – always here there and everywhere so i'm virtually so i can work with people nationwide but the season starts and like you said you got a 6 a.m practice or you got a 6 p.m practice you're in europe you know if you need help like we jump on a a video call like oh so that's one thing that most planners don't do like meet with you virtually um and then you know charging a, a regular a way that you can understand you know it's not a percentage of your investments because what if you don't have anything to invest just yet what if you're just starting out and you're just trying to figure out like you said what your goals are 
uh, you don't know what a retirement fund is. In the Olympic world, all of us are independent contractors. So like you said, we are our own company. Um, so if you need to set up an LLC or you need to set up an S-Corp or you don't know how to get an accountant, um, you don't know how much you should be putting aside to save for taxes because no one's taking taxes out of your check every time you get paid. Uh, those are the things that we work through and I help someone understand. Um, it's just all things pertaining to, you know, like you need to set money aside for a massage therapy. You need to hire uh, some a nutritionist, like whatever those things are that are going to help you be the best athlete that you can be. Those are the things that I'm willing to sit down and facilitate and walk you through to, to you get to the point where you can implement those things. So it's not just, here you go, here's some ideas, figure it out for yourself, hands off. Like, it's like, what do you need? And let me help you figure out how we're going to get to the finish line of that. Um, and definitely it always includes planning for life after sport from day one. So, you know, you get your very first contract and you're like, woohoo, yippee, let's go get this. Let's go get this. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let's think about what, what we need this money for in addition to your bills on a, on a monthly basis. You know, you retire from sport and then you also retire, you know, at age whatever it is, you know, it's currently 67 in the, in the normal world. But, yeah. you know, if you want to retire sooner, then we've got to plan accordingly for that. Um, and just having those conversations because no one, you know, you're 20 something years old. You're not thinking about 67 or um, even your career being over if you're just starting. So uh, having those tough conversations with people to make them realize that uh, there's going to be some things that are going to come up and you, you'd rather be prepared financially for them than not prepared um, and adding the stress of finances to the transition from sport to life after sport, for example. I love it. And and just the, the much needed education, not just for athletes, but for us in general, mm -hmm. that just seems to be lacking out there in the professional financial planning services. It's here's where you should just kind of point and click. I, I don't want to know about it. Just put my money into that fund or put money in those stocks and let's kind of do one of these things. Uh, cross my fingers, <laughs> hope and pray. Uh, but I really value that you're actually educating and supporting them through those decisions, almost kind of making us think for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. I put on my site, like you said, one of the other things that was really important to me to have on there is that my focus is on um, education, like you said, versus enabling. Um, so often as athletes, we are coddled and everybody's like, don't worry, you just go run. Don't worry, you just play. You know, you just get the ball, whatever you need to do, like everything else will be okay. And, you know, you're trusting it off to these people um, and not taking an active hands-on approach. And then, like you said, the glory days come and go and that entourage disappears and you don't know step one of what to do, uh, what this infrastructure is that was in place. Um, and, and frequently those people didn't know either. They were just saying don't worry, we'll take care of it and not necessarily taking care of it. You know, I want you, I want to show you that I'm taking care of it, but I also want you to know how to take care of it. You know, I'm happy if a client can say they graduated and it's like, Lauren, I think I got this. You're like, yeah, maybe I don't need this part of the service anymore. You know, I, I'm definitely trying to build a lifetime relationship with them so that they're you know, not going their separate way. But at some point someone leaves, I want it to be because they feel like they're empowered and they're educated and they're ready to handle these things on their own. Mm-hmm. So how would you compare this, this second chapter in life to the first chapter as an athlete now to being an entrepreneur? What's the feeling like? Is there a comparison between the two? Oh, there's definitely a lot of characteristics from sports that transfer over into um, life as an entrepreneur. You know, you know, the simple ones are like you said, this idea of perseverance. So like on a daily basis, an entrepreneur, it's like, woohoo, this is awesome. I'm going to win at life. And it's like, oh, my God, why did I think of this? What am I doing? What? I need to go work for someone else. This is terrible. And then you're like, oh, someone called me. They want to be my client. Yay, I'm winning at life again. <laughs> and that's literally every day the roller coaster of what you're going through as an entrepreneur. Uh, and I think that's similar to how we you know, practice as athletes. You go out there, you have an awesome practice, and you're like, I am going to win the world championships this year. And then the next day you come and your legs are dead and you're just like, God, I'm so far behind the ball. I'm never going to ever win a race. And you're like, what? You know, and, and then you realize that, like you said, every day you're building the foundation for something that's going to be great. Um, you know, good practices make good races. Good races will lead you to a championship. Um, and that's kind of how I've approached the world of entrepreneurship is, you know, building steadily on a regular basis. Um, some days are painful. Um, some days you're sore after, you know, from the previous day. 
but with time, things get better and you're, you have to be patient. Time is the only thing that will allow you to succeed. You know, you don't go to one practice and then go win the world championships, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you don't just in one day build a successful practice. Uh, but I've, you know, got this positive momentum going and things are growing. And uh, I always have to remind myself of the timeline. You know, wh- when are we trying to peak? And it's not right now. You know, we're, I'm, in, I'm a year, old, in, year and two months old right now. Um, and it's been a really great first year. Uh, there's a lot of metrics and I've met the metrics. And, you know, I, I, can, I can say I'm ahead of the game. But then I found, like you said, in entrepreneurship as well, another way to compete. It's like, okay, well, what's the bar? You know, this is, a, this is what you need to do to be a regular uh, planner, you know, to, to succeed in the first year. This is, you know, if you're doing well in the first year, so like typically, for example, it's two clients. If you're bringing in two clients a month, um, you know, you're on track to be able to become profitable uh, within the two to three year um, range that, you know, that these metrics say. And so I brought on it. I had 22 clients uh, in April. So, I'm you know, I'm like, I'm right there. So, yeah, those little things matter. Talk to talk to me, because I know as as a female athlete, especially at the, at the Olympic level, when you're looking at the sponsorship money that men get and, you know, really the work that you needed to do to build yourself up and you're smiling here. <laughs> uh, and now you are in a field that I, I, I guess, I'm, and I may be wrong here, seems to be pretty dominated by men. Uh, tell me about that. Tell me what is, is about, you know, you, the work that you need to do to succeed and, and, you know, as a woman on, on, you know, on the track and in your sport, and then now in, in a field that seems to be dominated by men? Um, I think as a, a true elite athlete, like the, the thing that makes you elite is your ability to stand out in the midst of, you know, the most unlikely circumstances. And so we don't see uh, these these barriers that they put in place that, you know, like you said, a male sprinter is making double what I'm making. You just, instead of channeling that as an angry thing, it's like, what can I do to achieve and earn my way? And how can I be delighted in, in what I am getting and, and draw more positive energy in my direction because of that, you know, now given the opportunity at different, you know, annual meeting and things like that, we do fight for what's right. But knowing and understanding that, like nothing can stop me from being the best me that I can be is the thing I think that drives me forward each and every day. And so it's not been different for me in financial planning. Uh, I used the term earlier, male, stale, and pale. And that was actually a quote from the president of the CFP board, Certified Financial Planning, um, when he was talking about what the industry looks like and how they can better diversify it. And I'm, I'm literally the exact opposite. Like, you know, I'm not male. Um, stale from the standpoint, I'm, I'm young, I'm new to the financial planning industry, uh, where most people are baby boomers and retiring, trying to figure out how to sell their practice, and I'm not pale. <laughs> like, <laughs> so here I am, like a triple minority, uh, and instead of looking at myself where pretty much no one else looks like me, it's just like, how can I make this field more awesome? And I think that's how we show up as female athletes, is how can we how can we stand out? You know, those three hurdlers that swept in the in the the Olympics this summer, they weren't saying, oh, man, Justin probably Gatlin still made more money than all three of us put together. You know, like we're not thinking of it like that. It's like we're going to succeed. We're going to excel. We're going to shine and we're going to get what what is due to us by being the best us that we can be instead of focusing on what we're not getting. Um, we're going to draw that energy in. I love it. That that attitude of gratitude is really yeah. powerful. <laughs> uh, hey, what what would you say to an athlete who um, maybe has gone through, is going through the struggles of their post-athletic career, uh, finding purpose, finding meaning, um, you know, l- looking to do something that aligns with their passion, that gives them that same, I always call it a high, you know, the same high that we had as athletes. What, any advice you give to, to an athlete? I think the main thing that I would tell an athlete who is experiencing the transition is, one, you're not alone. Um, seek out other people that are uh, experiencing the transition now. Seek out people who have already uh, you know, conquered the transition, if you will. But the transition is something that's going to be happening on a daily basis. I am you know, two years in now, 
and the transition is still happening. And I embrace that. Like, I feel good with where I am versus, you know, where I was at day one of the transition. But like, it's a process. Like I said, there is no timeline on it. Embrace the idea that there is no timeline on it. Take your time figuring out who it is you want to be, what it is that you want to do. Um, and then the same thing I said earlier, no pity parties. You don't get to dwell on, uh, oh, there were people cheering for me. Oh, I was this. Oh, you know, maybe I should, you know, so-and-so is older than me and they're still competing. I should probably still be competing. I didn't get the most out of my career. Like you can make up endless things that are going to take you backward. But what you're really trying to do is move forward. And every day is not going to be easy. Um, it's going to be tough for quite a while. But you get up every day and you say, how can I move forward? Like you said, where is my attitude of gratitude? What am I grateful for today? How can I make the best me in this next chapter of my life? And if you approach it like that, sooner and sooner, those days will get easier and easier. Um, the, the people that you put around you to support you um, will hold you up. And before you know it, you'll be blossoming. I love it. And and your that next chapter for you really, just in your voice, in how it how it comes across online, you know, you're, the way you're talking through your business really seems to align with that, and that's a powerful piece. And there's there's it takes it, from what I hear, you know, it takes time to get there, and it takes work uh, to be able to to accomplish that. How can how can people work with you? How can people engage with you, do business with you, you know, use you as your their financial planner? How talk to me? How, how can people get in touch with you? It is super simple. You can find me at Lauren C. Williams on Twitter. You can find me at worth underscore winning on Twitter. Uh, Google search worth winning. Uh, the website is worth-winning.com. And uh, any of those things will lead you pretty much directly to me. We set up a call. We talk. I'm, like I said, not a salesperson. I want to know that I'm a good fit for you the same way that you want to know that I'm that you're a good the other way around, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're with you. So we talk about your situation. We talk about the ways that I feel like I can help you. Um, and then we go from there. Uh, if, if I don't feel like it's a good fit, I'm sure I know somebody in the financial planning that is in the financial planning industry that is a good fit for you. Uh, so it's just a matter of reaching out and saying you need some help. You have some questions. Um, I'm happy to talk to anyone about what their situation is. And that, that's the first thing is deciding that you want to talk to somebody about your finances, because sometimes people are so embarrassed at where they are or what they don't know, you know, even if they, whether they make a good living or not. You know, it's not poor people that are embarrassed to talk about their finances. There are plenty of people that are really great earners that don't want to talk about it at all. They know that they have enough money in the bank and they spend money and they don't want to think beyond that, but they know they need to think beyond that. So uh, if that's you and you want to learn, you want to be educated and, like I said, not enabled. I'm willing to walk with you step by step through the process. Just reach out. Okay, so what I'll do is, in uh, if you're listening on the podcast here, I'm going to go ahead and put the show in the show notes. I'll put all of Lauren's information, all of her uh, social media handles, website, etc., so that uh, you can get easy access to reaching out to Lauren. And you'll work with athletes, non-athletes as well. I do. I work with young professionals, uh, pretty much people in their 20s and 30s. Is kind of like the sweet spot, if you will. But athletes or anybody who's really, like I said, interested in working virtually, uh, not afraid to use software and want, wanting to learn about their finances. If you got student loans, like I said, that's something that I've uh, got quite a bit of expertise in. I'm working under like a national student loan expert uh, now. And it's something just I, I feel really passionate about because there's no information out there. And there's these sketchy salespeople that are calling to tell you weird stuff about your student loans. And it's just not right. So... Yeah, I'm happy to help people get started and get on the right track with that as well. Well, Lauren, congratulations on transitioning towards uh, and the work you're doing to, to helping others and finding that purpose and, and really going after it. Uh, and, of course, congratulations on all your efforts as, uh, in your athletic space and, and the lessons you've been able to learn to apply to uh, this next chapter. And I just want to make a point here in addition to the hardware that's around your neck that you've earned you also have some new hardware on your finger uh so congratulations to you you and the mister uh so uh the, that's definitely a new chapter as well for you yeah well, thanks so much <laughs> yeah definitely so thank you again for coming on i, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your stories because these this story is needed you know your story of, of the work that you've done uh is is much needed so i appreciate you taking the time to share yeah, I'm happy to share. I'm happy to talk to anyone who is experiencing the transition. 
um, and to be a resource for you in that way as well. All right, Lauren. Well, we're going to be following along with you, your progress. Thank you so much. Thank you. See, I told you that would be an incredible story. You know, the thing I want to point out about Lauren, just in our conversation here on the podcast and our, our conversation off offline, she is just so incredibly humble. And, I, you know, I was getting hyped and excited about, you know, learning about her career and, and her achievements. And she was very humble about it. And, you know, that humility is something that is, is not often taught in, in sports. And it's something we need to continue to encourage our our young athletes but I just want to point that out that it's something that she really wears on her sleeve very, very humble about about her achievements so I bragged for her a couple things else that stuck out for me that I hope you really gravitated towards and and, and understood you know her failures that she had especially in the relays you know she she takes it on and says I was I was the the key ingredient to to drop in this baton multiple times but to, to build herself back up and, and get back on the track, pick her head up and, and uh, continue to compete, I think is something that uh, is incredibly powerful that we all can learn from uh, in our life, where, wherever we're at, whatever the, our circumstances are. Uh, we take responsibility. We own it. Yep, I'm a key ingredient, but yet I'm going to get back on my feet and, and try again. So, uh, again, a, a powerful nugget there. You know, the... the the action that she took in transitioning off of sport, I think, is something that I, I really that, that landed home with me. When she said, "You know, I, I was flying around, I was networking, I was I was taking action." At times, I was embarrassed about the fact that people would ask me, "Hey, you're an Olympic champion. What are you doing now?" And I and she was saying she didn't know, and that was a bit of embarrassing. I, I can relate to that so much. And I think it's something that we all can take on. That, yeah, you know, despite feeling embarrassed, despite not knowing your next step, she still took action. And I know that, that oftentimes we get stuck in paralysis or we, we want things perfect before we, we take that next step. And she didn't. She just just took action. And that's, that's a huge piece, which led her to becoming an entrepreneur. You know, she, she said perseverance is a, is a big connection, a characteristic of being an athlete as well as an entrepreneur, knowing that it's going to take time and that you need to be patient. The advice that she gave, which uh, in, in helping transition from, from being an athlete into post career, that next life, she, she said, remember, you're not alone. And to reach out to others who've gone through something similar. And believe it or not, you know, she said that at the very end of the podcast, if you are someone along those lines, reach out to her. She, she'd love to be able to, to support you in some capacity. She talked about being patient and not having a timeline on things, which I know can be difficult because we come out of sport being so excited, so pumped, and so successful in whatever level. It could have been high school sports, and we want that same success in that next step, and it doesn't come instantly, or life knocks us back a couple steps. Be patient. There is no timeline. Uh, the other things that, that gravitated, uh, that stood out for me, was the conversation about gender in sport and in in her in her industry specifically and she had a quote that I really liked she said that uh, what can I do and this this was in reference to the fact that uh, men sprinters foul far out earned her as a female sprinter and she, she said so she took the approach of what can I do to achieve and earn my way and how can I be delighted with what I'm getting despite the the circumstances and then she says what positive energy can I move in my direction because of it and I man that is super powerful look here are my circumstances they are what they are instead of dwelling it what was me victim mentality what can I do to step up and own hey this is where I'm at I want to be happy and delighted with where I am and then what positive energy can I direct in, in bring into my life because of my circumstances super powerful wherever you're at in uh, in your life that is something that we all can we all can take on so uh you know lauren as an entrepreneur she talks about the brand being everything uh, about her lifestyle she's designing her lifestyle around her her work around the lifestyle that she wants to have so it's Gosh, it's something that I've gone back and re-listened to multiple times uh, for my own self, but also to 
to, uh, to take bits and pieces that I can help share with others. So I was really excited for Lauren to come on. I'm glad she, she was able to, uh, to provide some insight as to where she's been and where she's at, and I think it's super powerful. So I hope you guys got some nuggets out of it. I know I sure did. Uh, if, if this was something that delighted you and you saw some, some interest in this, by all means, please leave me a review. Let me know your thoughts, good, bad, ugly. How can I can improve? What can I do to bring uh, more intriguing content to, to enrich your life, to help you reach your, your highest potential uh, post-sports? And uh, subscribe to my channels, whether it's on iTunes or SoundCloud. Please uh, subscribe so I can continue to, to know you guys are out there, you're listening, you're, you're valuing this content. I am at Kalidas Coffee on all social channels. Uh, reach out, connect with me. However, I can support you in your journey. Post sports uh, is uh, I'm I'd be happy to do so. Uh, so again, I thank you for your support. Thank you for supporting this podcast, and I look forward to getting at you uh, next week. Take care. These days, we're all investors, trying to be smart with our money despite our worst impulses. But at iShares, we believe that deep down inside of every investor is a better investor. One that's just waiting to be let out. Explore iShares ETFs and insights and let your best investor out. Visit iShares.com for more information. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes... Oh, no! Replacements were shipped with FedEx. And with picture-proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only.